Welcome to Eat the World, a podcast about food. My name is Rob Lewis. I'm a well-traveled eater and a fearless home cook. On my Instagram page, I have a community of people like me, talented home cooks from around the world that make the dishes that they love for their friends, families, and followers. For the ninth episode, my guest is Chef Dainty, also known as the Munchin' Mama. Originally from the Virgin Islands, Chef Dainty grew up in and around New York City before moving to Atlanta. Her Instagram page is dotted with vegan dishes that emphasize health and flavor, and she has developed a brand around wellness and good food. Our conversation was about making eccentric soul, her vegan creation, and building a brand around wellness. Okay, so welcome to the Eight the World podcast. I'm here with Chef Dainty, and we're going to talk about a bunch of things. Welcome, Chef Dainty. Hello, hello. Thank you. How did you become the Munchin Mama? Really, it started when I was pregnant with my son and I needed to eat better and eat healthier. And my mom, she's a big help in this. She educated me on um, eating healthier so I can gain better breast milk supply and I can have less complications when it came to giving birth. Was she right? Oh, definitely right. And my son is six now and I haven't had any issues with his health and with my health. So everything went well. Have you figured out how I found you to be on the podcast yet? Hashtags have been working. I'm not sure. There was a campaign called No MSG. Okay. I posted a couple things that I made. I made like a fried rice and I made, I forget what the other dish was, but I use MSG a lot. And I looked to see, and I used the hashtag No MSG because it's a new thing. and And I wanted to see who else was on there. And there were the fam sisters who started this thing called Amsum, which is, you know, wonderful sauce packets. And then I see a video of you making uh, a rice ramen. Yes. And I thought this was going to be interesting because I'm not Asian and you're not Asian. No. But we're both broad-minded enough to post to no MSG. <laughs> so maybe there's something that we can talk about. I completely understand exactly what you're talking about. And I agree too. Tell me a bit about vegan cooking, when you started doing that, and a bit more about your philosophy as it relates to the kind of food that you like to cook. I've been in the culinary field for the past six to seven years, and um, I worked at a hotel. Um, And when I first started, they used to put me in the, they call it the cold station. And I used to make a lot of salads and smoothies for um, Marriott customers and the guests that come through. And I took a fascination to what I was making because I'm like, this is healthier for the guests. So why not be a part of this? Because if if I myself is very health conscious, I need to make sure what I'm doing is the same thing as to how I'm eating. So I decided to transition from being a regular chef to being full-on plant-based vegan chef or vegetarian chef. That's wild. What were you eating before? Before, um, well, my family's from the islands. So we ate a lot of chicken, a lot of starch, like rice. Um, we make dumplings, but we make it with flour. And we ate a lot of like root vegetables. Root vegetables are good, but too much of it is not good because of a lot of sugar. So I decided to just take bits and pieces from my culture and make it healthier and also dip and dab in different cultures as well. Right. Which which of the islands are you from? 
My mom is from the Virgin Islands and my other side of my family is like mixed with Jamaican and Virgin Islands as well. Awesome. I've been to the Virgin Islands and it's absolutely beautiful yeah. there, but you're right. The food is rice and it's plantains and a lot of it is either boiled and smashed or boiled, smashed and fried. It, it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's not really high on green raw um, vegetables. Yes. Yes, exactly. So I decided, I'm like, you know, it's especially for a lot of people of color, minorities as well, they are not educated on proper eating. They think because they're eating vegetables that it considers being healthy, but it's the way that they cook it. They practically boil out, fry out, you know, all the nutrients from the veggies instead of grabbing that when it's fil- when it's first plucked or, you know, just blanching it. So I try to make everything I do as relatable to the regular home cook as for being a restaurant chef. Got it. And during your time working with Marriott and making those smoothies, is that where you started to learn about things like ginger juice and and, so, and turmeric and all these other great ingredients that you use now? Oh, no, no, no. That has been something that's been in my heritage for a very long time. When we get sick, very rarely, we have to eat ginger raw or we'll make ginger tea. Like today I was just drinking some ginger tea. Um, we eat garlic raw, um, honey, turmeric is very good. We always use that in our food, especially when we make curry, um, and cayenne pepper. Usually in, in Africa, they call it African bird, which is super spicy. So we put that in a lot of our foods too, just to better for our digestion. When I first reached out, I said, let's make something together. And you called it your eccentric soul dish. What's the history behind that? Eccentric soul is basically chef dainty on a plate. (laughs) Usually when people first meet me, they can't grasp exactly the description to describe me. They just say, you know, you're just so eccentric. You're just eclectic. So I was like, you know, might as well put that in a plate. And um, I really wanted it to be full of antioxidants, full of different flavors that you wouldn't usually put together and basically still have the grains in it. Cause of course I'm from the Island. So we are in tune with every single grain you can possibly think of, but I wanted it to be healthier grains as of set of being, instead of it being rice. So we made it with quinoa. It was a hard dish for me. I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. <gasps> No, No, it was very, really, it was, yeah. And I'll tell you why it wasn't, it wasn't not delicious. It was super delicious, but, but I Mm -hmm. found that it required a lot of thinking and and I'll explain why I asked you what's in it. How's it spiced? What are you doing with the quinoa? Is it it in, is it out? And like the whole premise is basically you take a, um, a pepper, you, you roast it so that the skin falls off and then you're, you're left with a pepper shell and then you put things in it. Some of the things that you suggested, you were like, well, first you need to put the uh, the fennel, then the onion. You gave me a specific list and a specific order. Mm-hmm. For the life of me, I couldn't figure out how it was going to taste because I didn't want it to taste like a salad on a, uh, in a shell because mm-hmm. I didn't think that's what you, you were trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. What was interesting is I saw earlier you had made the dish and posted it and you used a basil pesto for the the blend of flavors that brought everything together. Mm-hmm. And that that made a lot of sense. And I wish I had read that before I started the dish. 
But when I started the dish, I thought, is this going to be right? What occurred to me was starting with the fennel and starting with the anise flavor, mm-hmm. I thought, you know what? I need, this isn't going to be rich enough for me. It's, I need fat. I need good fat, right? Mm-hmm. So then I thought, well, how about if I add a cashew curry to it? Okay. And I made a, a beautiful Indian cashew curry. So cashew, and I wanted to keep it vegan because, you know, I wanted to respect what you were trying to do. Yeah. So I didn't use milk, but I used shredded coconut. Okay. Um, I had some fresh turmeric on hand, so I used that, okay. a bunch of spices, and I blended it together, and it was so fantastic. It was so great, but it wasn't until I really had to you know, crunch my brain on, put myself in the chef dainty shoe and say, well, what am I trying to do here, and, and keep to the promise of being vegan and being delicious and bring it all together that it ended up being such a success. But it was. I didn't. Found, I didn't think it was easy. But uh, but it was. It was. So it was a, a really nice challenge. I like that story. Um, do you think it was challenging because you didn't know how the outcome would have been, or you think it was challenging because it was just too much thinking to do at the moment? There was different levels. The first level is um, I had quinoa in the house. I think the last time I used it was a year ago. So quinoa isn't my go-to grain. And I was scared that it wasn't going to have enough flavor or substance, or it would have a nuttiness that would take away from what I wanted. So that was just the, that that challenge was just uncertainty. Mm-hmm. The different things that I had stuffed in there was, you know, I had some dried mushrooms, fresh kale. Uh, I think I shredded a couple Brussels sprouts, and I had okra. Um, so that wasn't hard. But it really was trying to figure out, you know, if you just take okra and pepper and kale, that's uh, that's not enough of a direction flavor-wise for me. Mm-hmm. Like I needed something to give it the real flavor. So that's why I asked you, like, how are you seasoning? And you said, well, I'll season mine with basil. Yeah. But basil pesto made, made uh, like a lot of sense because then it becomes more of a, a, a nice light pesto dish. Yes. Um, but I wouldn't be able to get my head around the pesto because I saw that, you know, for example, you do a great mac and cheese, but you're using nutritional yeast to give it the cheesy flavor without the cheese, right? Yeah, yeah. That's not my experience, so I didn't know what to do. So, but but Indian curries, I, I, that is my experience. I can do that. Okay. It was great. Funny enough, my wife and kids thought this is a this is one to add to the rotation. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes. It's actually, I actually have two different ways of making eccentric soul. So the one that you saw with the basil pesto, that's more like my summertime, springtime, early fall. And then the original one was basically the one that I first thought of, like, I think late last summer. Was it late? I think it was late last summer. And I just decided to just stick with it. I'm talking about 2019, not 2020, 2019 summer. That was my first time ever making it. So I stuck with it. So throughout time, I'm slowly changing it the same way how throughout time I'm slowly changing as well. So maybe I might add yours as well to it. I do need a picture of that so I can add it on my page as well. I sent you the picture on... on. Uh, oh, yes, you Yeah, did. you should take a look and tell me what you think of the you picture. Did, did. I would love to take that one from you. Okay. You're welcome to it. All the credits go to you. <laughs> we'll repost. Um so one of the things I love about your Instagram page is it. my sense is that you're very in tune with 
all of the the foods, all of the fruits and the vegetables with the natural course of the seasons. Yes. So what would what would like an eccentric soul dish cuz the, you know, the quinoa and the pepper is just a nice canvas, right? Mm-hmm. What would it look like for February, March, April? First off, I always try to use seasonal vegetables. Um I try to use seasonal vegetables or if not, you know, I just go to the freezer aisle in the supermarket. But either way, I always try to make everything still somewhat taste the same, but always have a different little tang to it. So for February and March, I would probably, I might just use zucchini instead or squash. I know for 2021, I have to change a lot of things, add a lot of new flavors to it, possibly take some things out, make it a little bit more easier for the at-home, new beginner chefs at home, I should say. During 2020, it looks like you moved from New York area down to Atlanta. Is there a difference in terms of what's seasonal and what's, you know, what people eat between like the New York, you know, Westchester crowd and Atlanta? There definitely is. Definitely. That's really one of the reasons why I chose to move to Georgia itself. Um, Their lifestyle is completely different from New York. Um, For the most part, you know, New York is very health conscious. Um, We are mindful of what we eat, even in certain areas where they are not as accessible to healthy foods. They're still mindful of what they're eating. Um, Georgia now, they have fast food everywhere you go. You have to drive everywhere. So there's a fast food spot like on every highway corner. It's crazy. So I really wanted to try to understand how I can bring healthy lifestyle habits to a place that's slower than New York, but also have way more access to vehicles than New York City folks, because we just rely on um, public transportation in the inner city. And in the suburbs, we have cars, but we also have way more access to local farms and healthier supermarkets than those places do. So Georgia and Atlanta is not like that at all? Not really, no. I don't know Atlanta at all. Atlanta is like Manhattan for New York, for, for Georgia. So it's just like different count, like different counties, different areas. But Atlanta is like the main place that's like the hot spot, like the city life. But there, of course, you're going to find things, but it's more, um, how do you say, urban. But the outskirts of Georgia, that's the, the difficult part. That's the countryside, but it's not so much country where they get fresh milk, fresh cheese. It's like countryside, like it's way more highways. You know, you, you got to drive miles and miles to go to the local supermarket or, you know, your local Sprouts. I, I think their Sprouts is like a Whole Foods. So it's it's a lot more difficult for them to get healthier stuff because they have the fast food restaurants like on every corner. It's easier for them. I have one Instagram friend who's from Atlanta. And when I look at her posts, the one thing that strikes me is like, I'm I'm beside myself is that she goes out all the time and everyone is out all the time. And I don't know about you, but I haven't left. I haven't gone out in like a year. So I'm like dying over here, but (laughs) 
it looks like that's what people in Georgia do. They're just going out. Is this true? Yeah. Every single day. I don't go out. I like to stay inside and think of different ways to make videos for people at home that like to stay home and learn to cook on their own. But yeah, it's it, even before COVID, you know, COVID hasn't changed anything for them. It's just they have to wear masks on the outside. But yeah, every day they're out. They're just they're they're some they're adventurous people. They are very adventurous. But yeah, it's wild. I mean, how does that compare? When did you move from you? Were you in Mount Vernon? Yes, I was. Mount, I was in Mount Vernon, and um, I was in Mount Vernon for about from since I was fifteen. Did and you go to Mount Vernon High? I did not. <laughs> I grew up in the South Bronx. And when I was a teenager, my mom moved to Mount Vernon, but I still went to school in the Bronx. And when I finished high school in the Bronx, I went to um, the Art Institute of Philadelphia. Nice. And actually, this funny, this story is hilarious. I went to, to college in Philly. At the same time, I was working at Pinkberry in Tribeca. So every week, three days a week, I would go take the Bolt bus to Philly and come back the next, the, well, the same day and go to work for Pinkberry the next day. Where were you living? Were you living in Philly or were you just commuting in? I was living in Mount Vernon. Huh? Yeah, it's crazy. Now you see the dedication. I lived in Mount Vernon. This is, I was like, what, 18, 19? I lived in Mount Vernon. And I took the boat bus every day, well, um, no, every Monday, Wednesday, and Sunday to, 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 no, I took the train to Manhattan to 34th Street, got on the boat bus, took that to Philly to school, stayed there all day doing my lessons and classwork, got on the last nine o'clock bus back to New York, took the train from 34th Street, come back to Mount Vernon, slept for a couple hours, woke up in the morning to come to work by 9, 10 a.m., at Pinkberry the next day. And I did that every day for two years. That's insane. It was, yeah. And sometimes I cry about it because I don't understand why I did it. But now that I'm older, I see it was dedication because I was so serious that I wanted to do this. But what was the upside? Because Philly's not that bad. I mean, I lived in Philly for it's, four years. It's, it's not fine. that bad. It's really not. But wow. <laughs> Imagine doing that as a teenager when you have plenty of other options to not go through that was practically it felt like adult problems like you know like some people say adulthood is difficult like that felt like adult problems but I didn't see it as that I only felt it really in the winter because it was horrible very brutal I can imagine but, but even still all the, all the people that you went to school with they were probably less like hey let's hang out on South Street let's just do whatever yeah. and you're like no I got to go to yeah I, every day, every day. Sometimes I would make it to class late because my bus was taking too long or traffic on the, the highway. Um, and as soon as class finished, I have to like jet out of there and like run all the way up. I think it was like Walnut Street just to make it to the train station to get on that bus. Yes. So yeah, it was, it was a lot. It was a lot. So why did you choose Atlanta? I chose Atlanta because originally I wanted to go to college out here. I wanted to go to Le Cordon Bleu and I got accepted, but due to family situations, I couldn't end up leaving. So after a while, I had my son at 23, so I didn't really 
have the drive to move because I was new mom by myself, didn't want to move down there by myself. I wanted to stay close to my family. After last year with COVID kicking in and the job that I had, my job, we, they kind of let us go for a couple of months. And I was like, you know what? I just want to go. Like This is a time where I have to go focus on my business and just follow where God is telling me to go and focus on myself and my faith. And I was out. Yeah, you. Thank you. <laughs> because by this point, you already had your website, the YouTube videos, the seasonings. Like, yeah. you, you, you also you started a brand. Yeah, I, I re- really. You know what? I started Bunch of Mama back in 2017, and it was just a just a page showing how much I love eating healthy. And after a while, due to a breakup, I decided to turn it into a business because I felt like. When people are going through situations in their life where they don't know what to do, they turn to comfort food. And comfort food to them is sugar, right? processed junk, and a bunch of crap. So I decided to say, well, hey, you can eat, you know, munch on stuff, but you need to do it healthy. I'm a huge snacker. I can't sit down and eat a full meal. I have to snack and snack. So I just, I mean, that's really not where Munch and Mama came from, but- the whole concept of it came from that. What was Munch and Mama at the very beginning? Munch and Mama at the very beginning was really just me being a constant snacker all the time, but being a new mom. So I had to be very mindful of what I'm eating. And the constant snacking really came from me always have to eat something really fast so my breast milk can come in more because my son was very greedy. And I had to drink gallons of water like day after day. And my mom used to get so irritated and aggravated with me because she's like, you know, you're always snacking on something. You're always leaving the food everywhere. And I'm like, yeah, I don't know. And then I'll always forget where I left something. So you'll go in the living room and you'll see like carrots somewhere and then crackers in another place. And then you go in the kitchen, you see like a pack of Oreos. But then you also see like a huge uh, bottle of um, smart water next to it. So it was just, it was craziness. But I needed it to be for people to understand that you need to eat healthier. Even if you're snacking, make sure everything is healthy because you need to be conscious of what you're putting in your body. You know, the outcome can be very bad. I saw on your website, you had all these great reviews from di- from different people. Uh, what Were you making food for them or how did that work out? Yes. So um, 2019 was a, a huge transitional year for me. Um, I lost a lot, a lot that year. I would say a lot of material things. And um, that really was the year where God made me have to focus on my craft. So I started doing meal plans for um, a couple of friends of mine, and they knew like a lot of celebrities and stuff like that, people who was always traveling. And I, my first client was um, a handbag designer. And she you know, was going out of town. And she needed some meals to have at home. And I made it for her. And she was like, oh my goodness, Like I've never had vegan food, healthy food like this before. Like you make it so flavorful. And I'm like, thank you. So from that time I knew, you know, let me just create meals for people. And I did that. But after a while, I think I kind of got withdrawn from it because 
you know, pricing started to come in my mind. And I'm like, you know, I'm not charging people a lot because I just want to do this just to do it. But on the back end, I was spending more money out of my pocket than I was receiving. It's a hard business to to run because you're not even at scale. Yes. And all your all your ingredients are, you know, not super premium, but they need to be the freshest ingredients. So ingredients as a percent of costs. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it all. So I was spending big bucks, you know, buying fresh, making sure everything, like literally everything had to be organic or, you know, super fresh and local. And that was pricey. Westchester County, they are not cheap. No, it's nuts. It it was very pricey for me. And I was, you know, I was more so into it for the experience, for other people to experience healthier eating doesn't have to just taste like water and grass. It has flavor to it. So I decided to move and go to my journal. And I remember back in 2018, I said, I just wrote out a list of ingredients to put in a seasoning that I wanted to make. And that's what made me decide to make my seasonings last year, what, last March when COVID started. And how's that going? Oh, it was amazing. I actually sold out of them. And I had to re-up and make it over again. And I think back in November is when I officially wiped out completely with everything. So I don't have any more seasonings at all. That's awesome. One of the the terms that you use a lot is alkaline wellness. Yes. What does that mean? Alkaline wellness is basically wholesomeness. Um, To follow an alkaline diet is very strict. Like you cannot have any starch, any wheat, um, your grains have to be a particular kind of grain. You have to eat a particular kind of vegetable, particular kind of grape. I mean, not grapefruits. So to be mindful of what you put in your body, you also have to understand that your body is your temple. And we are only granted one body, one temple this entire lifetime. People tend to take advantage of that and they just choose to gain as much weight as they can and think that, you know, surgery is going to fix it, or they can yo-yo diet whenever they feel like. And they have to understand that you have to train your mind first. Your environment, of course, is going to, is the cause of what you do, but you have to train your mind to do things a certain way, eat a certain way in order for your body to react and to just comply with you. Because if you choose to eat healthier for a month, the next month, when you go back to eat eating, you know, whatever you were used to eating, you're not going to feel that same way because now your mind has turned away from that. So that food temptation is no longer there. Now you're moving on to something better. But of course, your environment can also pull you back into what you were used to and you try to escape from. So, so you need a you need a partner. I mean, to do this, to do this right, you need, you know, someone who's on your side to help you. Yes, 100%. And so what does that look like in terms of what you're offering people? Um, I'm here. I try to do um, wellness calls or coaching calls. I actually don't even charge for those. It's just someone that's there to listen to you. Because people people all say, it's so hard. You know, I try to go vegan or I try to eat healthy, but it's hard. And it's like, it's not hard. You just have to train your mind. You have to train your mind, but people have a lot of things going on from every corner of their life. They cannot focus in on one thing. 
So having me on that phone call, like, hey, what's up? How you doing today? Did you eat breakfast? Well, what did you eat for breakfast? Did you have lunch? Did you choose to, you know, drink water instead of drinking that soda that you got from the vending machine? You know, a little bit of that tough love, but on the gentle side is small steps to greatness for any and every person in any and every situation. So I try to make it, and it's not just about food, it's about you know, the way you live, you know, if you choose to go out and party in the night when you can stay home and create a meal for yourself, turn on some jazz or turn on some, you know, soothing music and just let your hands flow. Let your pantry talk to you. Just get fun, you know, have fun and just get funky in your kitchen. Just let go. They'll take a shower, pamper yourself. It's just all about just wholesome wellness. Yeah, I noticed that a lot. Like your message isn't just about food. It's really about positive energy in, yeah. in your body and in your being. Yeah. So you're the obviously the your first customer, your most important customer, and the one that that you're giving education to no matter what is your son, right? Yes. <laughs> yes, he is. That's my little sous chef. He is my biggest critic, actually. And <laughs> I have to be very mindful of the meals that I make sometimes because I want to make um, certain treats, certain drinks, um, kid kid friendly. Because you know, kids if they see a drink that's green, they're not going to want it because they're automatically going to think it's gross. But if I make it in a cute, like in a fun color, like orange or blue, they're going to be interested in that. So I try to make things and meals that he will like. So I would know that, okay, I can put this on the site or I can put this in the recipe book because kids are going to go to this. You know, parents are not going to be afraid to make this for their kids because they're going to turn it away or just probably leave it on the table. So you're delivering one set of messages to your son, but then society is delivering all these other messages through commercials or through what other kids eat. How do how hard is it to reconcile those two flows? It's so hard. But one thing I learned from a mentor of mine that I had a while ago is balance. Balance, everything is perfect. Everything is perfected with balance. So as long as I'm putting in his mind the proper things to do, when he sees it outside, he will know right from wrong. And hopefully in his mind, the right will overshadow the wrong. So if he sees on TV, you know, these kids eating Pop-Tarts or they're eating those fruit gushers, because apparently Nickelodeon and these cartoon stations, they love to show these stuff. He will say to me, mom, you know, can I have that? Or instead of that, can we make that? And I'm like, yeah, sure, we can make that. So we'll go in the kitchen, you know, throw some smoothies together, or we'll actually start um, baking together. We started baking together. So when we bake, I'll let him, you know, put some dried fruit on top of it. And, you know, we have fun in the kitchen as long as he gets to have fun. I mean, you got to give, you got to give your kids good things to eat that, that taste great. But if you can engage them that they're part of the process and it's part of, you know, the pride of, of building something good that you get to eat at the end of the day, that's a big deal. Yes. He was actually my helper in making my seasonings. I have a video of that in my phone. I was kind of hesitant on showing um, on the internet, but yes, the very first day I decided to make my huge batch, he was right next to me peeling off the leaves off the thyme and the parsley. And I made sure he had on his gloves and his little mask. And when he got tired, he threw everything out, 
went to wash his hands and play, and then he came right back after a while. Tell me more about your cornbread and tell me how the original cornbread and your new cornbread. Okay, so the original cornbread, it usually consists of adding eggs to it and milk. So I don't want to use any of that stuff. So I decided to use coconut milk and I used flax seeds. Now, you know, flax seeds, you can make it as they call it a fleg. It's a flaxseed egg. So you get like one part flax seeds and two parts water and you let it sit for a while and it literally is gooey like an egg. So I mixed it in the cornbread batter and I baked it and it came out just as perfect. It just had a little bit of sweetness from it, from the coconut and a little bit of crunch, a little bit of crunch from the flax seeds because it wasn't, I didn't use ground flax seeds. I used the whole and it tastes just the same. Did you include the flaxseed into the mix or just the water? Just the, so, okay, when you put the flax seeds with the water, you let it sit. So when you, everything is mixed around, it's just like a flaxseed egg. So I left the seeds in it, the whole seeds in it. Because I've heard of what people do sometimes is they use like the leftover liquid from, um, from garbanzo beans. Also works as like egg. Um, But with the chickpea water, I actually just make whipped cream from that. Yes, people do that too. Yeah, the other day for for Christmas, I made a um, peppermint hot cocoa with flaxseed, not flaxseed, well, with chickpea water as my whipped cream. I think I made like a little quick reel and you can see like how I whipped it up in my little ninja food processor and it was so fluffy. It was so good. So what was some what was the milk substitute for the cocoa? Um I used regular um almond milk. That's awesome. Mm-hmm, but I didn't heat it up too much. I just like heat it up just a little bit to keep it warm and I added in, you know, my star anise, some cinnamon, nutmeg, and the cocoa mix that I used was I believe from Navista or something. I don't remember their name, but they make organic cocoa. That's great. The other dish that I saw, which also looked amazing, was uh, a stack of pancakes using almond flour. Yeah, that looked that looked like okay. So it's it's vegan. It you can say it's healthy, but it's really just like a decadent cake. It is. It really is. It is. It. it you, I'm sorry. I'm getting excited. All these things are super. They're easy to make. Like you, it's like the same regular thing. You just have to make substitutes and a little bit of tweaking the alterations of the ingredients and you're going to have the same turn out the same effects of course you know to get that photo i had to go through a bunch of them because some of them were a little too dark or not as fluffy as i wanted them but everything is just listen the more and more i create these different meals and these different drinks it improves and it shows me that listen we've been We've been bamboozled this entire time. Like we've been lied to that we can't make this dish because it doesn't taste like this, but it's the same thing. There's a lot of great cooking on your site that people need to watch. They need to see that to inspire them because it's very, all of it's very inspiring. Thank you. You're building a visual brand, right? So you have all these videos and stuff. And, you know, I, I think about this as a dad, like, okay, so my daughter made a breakfast. I posted that. Um, or some cookies or something like that, but that's about it. Like I'm pretty, I'll talk about them, but really in a remote way and not, you know, not so personal because, you know, I don't know. I'm just shy, I guess. You try to be as uh, protective 
as much. Yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. I, I, Yes, I understand exactly what you mean. I've always been that way, but I broke out of my shell a little bit because I've started seeing more and more um, YouTube influencers in, interacting with their kids on camera. So I decided, you know, I'll just post like one video or here and there. I'll post a video of him, but I don't always show his face. I'll show, I'll let you hear his voice or you'll see his little hands, but I try to limit his exposure to the internet. Once again, society is conflicting because you, you hear this, the, you know, the kids that are opening up toys and making millions. <laughs> yes. Yeah. It's, it's hard. I, I read somewhere that you used to work for the Knicks. Yes. <laughs> I, I did. Um, I worked at their training center. So it was the Knicks and the Rangers. And I was actually um, doing their meal planning. Well, I wasn't in charge of it, but I would actually make the meal planning orders and send it to them. So I would make the smoothies, the salads. Um, I always made sure like everything was like on point. I always made sure I had some seasonal fruits and they would have to try it. Especially when we got dragon fruit, I was so excited. But I would always try to be their positive plug. So whenever they come in, I don't really ask them about the games. I don't care about that stuff. I don't. I actually don't care about sports at all. Because I think one of the things that shows in your in your videos and your post is you're hyper empathetic to other people's energy. Yes. So if someone's if someone's throwing off good vibes, you're like, okay, I get that. Yes. But if they're not, like, you have to protect yourself from. Yes. Bad energy coming in. Mm-hmm. I actually learned that comes from eating healthier because the healthier, of course, food gives you life or gives you other bad energy. But when you eat fresher and healthier and real fruits and vegetables and not too much of the hybrids, it does something to your insides and it makes you way more in tune to things that's going on. So there's times where I actually, I'm very in love with nature. Like I've always been that way, but now that I'm older, it's way more intense. Like I can actually sit in the park for hours and just be at ease. And I feel like sometimes I can hear the trees talking or the the birds talking to each other. And it feels so beautiful just knowing that, right? you know, Life is not everything the way how it seems with everything that's going on right now. Like if sometimes if you sit and just relax your mind and yourself, you can feel the peace that's going on. It's just all the craziness is making it feel like it's not at peace. There's a cleanse going on, but there's always a cleanse going on in everything. Seasons change, people change. There's always a cleanse going on, but it just depends on what you put in your body what you put in the atmosphere, what you say out of your mouth to either disrupt that cleanse or to keep it flowing properly. What does Chef Dainty's plan look like for 2021? Oh, it's a takeover. It's a takeover. It's a takeover. I've, listen, okay, I started Munch Mama, I would say 2018. I started, no, 2019, I really started it. And 2020, I was still trying to figure it out while still doing my work. This year is like, I have to get it done. It is getting done and I'm going to flourish and I'm not going to let my excitement dim down because I don't want people around me to just feel like, oh, you know, you're showing off. It's like, no, I worked really hard for this. So 
you're going to see me, you're going to hear me, and I'm going to be loud because it's a lot of hard work to just even focus in on one thing. I always say Munch and Mama is my longest committed relationship that I paid attention to. It is a lot. I mean, at, e- even doing this podcast plus some posts of my food, you realize that there, there's an unlimited number of platforms and, and what the, the platforms are looking for change. And it takes a lot of you. Like what's, so, so your energy will be spent. Where will we see the most of you? What platforms? Well, there's a lot of them nowadays. Oh my goodness. I am really trying to dip my feet into TikTok and Twitter, mostly TikTok. So I think I will probably be making more appearances on YouTube. Yeah, YouTube is more my style, more filming. I get to interact more with the people. So I think I'm going to do YouTube more. Not so much TikTok, but YouTube. And then Instagram, of course, because that's the the holy grail to bring everything together. Looking just through your Instagram feed, some of it is food-centric, but it would be limiting to say you're you're just about food because you're really about energy and wellness and lifestyle. Yeah. So- Going into mm-hmm. this year, is food going to remain your the big focus or is it going to be a blend? Oh yeah. It's gonna it's well, I have two pages, but um for the most part, I would make food still the main source, the main everything, because everything comes from food. Everything comes from food. Your health, whether you want it to be good or bad, it comes from food. How you want your energy to feel for that day would come from food. If you want to be sluggish throughout the day, you're going to eat something crappy in the morning. If you want to have energy to have a good productive day, you're going to eat something healthy. So I feel like everything comes from food. My focus has to stay on food because that's how I can get everyone to understand that you need to take care of yourself from inside out. I'm I'm hoping that 2021 is a real year of renewal for all of us. Yes. So your message is so on time and, and on point. And um, I'm glad that you took the time to do the podcast with me. Thank you so much. I had so much fun. 